0: and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to welcome each one of you. We want to uh, welcome River Church in Tuscaloosa. They're uh, with us today and we're so thrilled they are. I, I had the privilege of being in, in, uh, there in River Church last week in Tuscaloosa and pastor's gone, be back Sunday, but uh, they'll be, they're here with us today. So hello River Church. God bless you. So whatever God's got for here, He's got for there, He's got more. So just join right You know, there's no distance in the Spirit, is there? None whatsoever. And, uh, you know, he, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. So He could be here. And Michelle, like you saying, I'm at Emily, and the team was over in Bangladesh or Bangladesh. And uh, imagine God could be in one nation and then here also. Wow. Powerful. So, well, we've been <clears throat> teaching for the last two weeks, and we're going to continue that with a little different vein today uh, about truth. How do we know it's the truth? Well, let's just look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we are uh, glad to have those who are joining us on Facebook. Grab your Bible if you're watching with us. Make some notes. John chapter 8, and we'll just dive in right here about uh, verse 28. Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Jesus said, he that has sent me, the father hath not left me alone. Mm -hmm, That's good. He sent me, but he hadn't left me alone. You know, some people just send you out and said, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, we we taught you, we trained you and you're on your own. No, he's still teaching us. He's still revealing to us. He's still showing us. And he says, he taught us. He sent us out. He said, but. Even Jesus said, but the father hadn't even left me alone. Amen. Wow. Isn't that good? Amen. And then here's a, a mighty powerful confession that Jesus made. And he said, and I, and, uh, I always do those things that please him. Amen. You ought to say that about yourself. Mm. Why me not just say it? I always, I always. Do, those that him. do those things that please him. And he spoke these words and many believed on him. Then Jesus said to the Jews, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Shall make you free. Notice this only truth that we can live in freedom. Amen. And Jesus is the spirit of the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. But the, the, the verse prior to that said there, there's something not just truth, but we have to continue in the word. Or we have to contend or contend for the truth. In other words, if you want to be a disciple, he said, then you're going to have to come know my teaching. And you're going to have to continue my teaching. And my teaching will produce freedom. Amen. How you know where the spirit of liberty is? There is what? There's freedom. Yes. How many of you like freedom better than bondage? Amen. Oh, I do too. I want you to go back and we're going to flip in a few scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 61. This is a prophetic word given by the prophet Isaiah uh, before, of course, many, many years before Jesus was born. It seems to me that God knows the past and the future, looks like. The more I study the Bible, it looks like that. So if you'll study it, you might come to the same conclusion. Because we know Jesus, his first sermon that he preached, and you can read it in Luke chapter 4. And and this is the very words, almost per se, that that was coined or said by. by Isaiah the prophet and so he has given us a, um, he's given us a word that will come to pass many years before Jesus even born in Bethlehem Amen. and uh, we won't go look at it but you can read it again Jesus spoke it I know most of you are familiar with it not all of you uh, but this word is in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 when Jesus came out of the wilderness tempted to the devil 40 days remember after that? And then the angels came ministered to him. The devil did everything he could to deceive him. That's what we've been talking about. You know, I said, I asked the question, if you're, if you ever take time to think about what you're thinking about. And, And if what you're thinking about, we need to ask the question, is what I'm thinking about, is it true? And the only thing that we can know if it's true is we have to go back to the manual to see what the manual said. Let's see what the scripture said, because the word is true, right? And so we have to think, you know, I'm saying this and I'm thinking this, but is it really true? Is it true because they tell me it's true? Is it true because my church believes it, the pastor believes it, the denomination, my mom and her mama's mama and all them always believed it? Well, that's always wonderful. Great. Maybe. But Jesus said one time it's the traditions of men that makes the word of God of none effect. So we really have to go back to the source of truth and say, is this true? Because if it's not true, we're not living from truth. We're actually living from a lie. And that's where the enemy works. He works through deception. So he can never deceive you. He can never bring destruction. We'll say it this way. He can never bring destruction to your life until he can bring deception to your life. He can never deceive you and lead you down a trail that God never provided for you unless we allow him to cause us to stray away from the truth. Now, we're not here to give him props today, but he's had a little practice at this. Mm. <laughs> he's had a few people to work on. Yeah. And so um, you you might say, well, he's just a zero. Well, he is a zero, but let me tell you something. Uh, when it comes to deception, he's good at it. Yeah. Right. He's been working it on the planet for years. Mm. And he worked, it, he worked it in the very beginning and with Adam and Eve, didn't he? And he got them to fall. You know, there's... There's a lot of ways to fall, you know. It, it wasn't Adam didn't didn't commit adultery. He he didn't fall for another woman. That was easy. There wasn't another one. There can't be any temptation there, can it? You know, Adam didn't go to the other side and say, "I think I like men." There wasn't any other men. <laughs> Adam fell for Adam, and Eve fell for fruit. I always said, I could see ice cream or something like that. But fruit, you're separated from God over fruit. Uh, You say, well, you know, it might have been a good apple. Well, he didn't say it's an apple. I don't know what it was. But he lost it for fruit. Wow. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. There can't be destruction in their life unless we lay hold to, we have have to listen to the liar. Because the liar is always speaking. And the spirit of truth is always speaking. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. He's the reality of truth. And he doesn't, Jesus, he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I know a way. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. And he was very definite about that. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Anything other than that is not the way, not the truth, not the life. See, if we put our stand upon the word of God, we put our stand upon the truth, everything that's not truth even though it's there for a moment, it will weaken, it will weaken. I mean, you'll be, you'll be going to work on the root system thing, and I'm telling you, it'll fall, it'll fall, it'll fall, it'll fall, it'll fall. God told Joshua, in other words, you can go anywhere in the word, but it just kind of came up in my spirit real quick. God told Joshua, because God always announces the beginning or the end from the very beginning. And in Joshua chapter six, he took Joshua there in a vision and he said, hey, Joshua, and, he, and he's showing him Jericho. He says, see the city I've given you? And he said, well, I see the city. He said, yeah, but did you see the city I've given you? Well, there's the city. But God went further than here's Jericho. I've already given it to you. But Jericho was not under his possession, was it, at the time? No, but God spans all time. God was speaking in time. And, and most people they are thinking out of time. And they're trying to get to a time. But you're already in God who's in time. So if you get in God, you'll get in time. Amen. Because faith is right now. Well, when is now? Well, y'all are smart. Now. I heard Tuscaloosa say now. They heard it over there. So faith is right now. So if it's not right now, it's not faith. Because faith is right now. So God declared the very end from the beginning, he said, Joshua, I've given you the city. But then God gives you instructions. And he gave you some instructions that, you know, by most generals would be a crazy plan to take a city. You know, just march around so many times. Don't say any word. And on the seventh time, run around and blow some horns and then concrete falls. Well, tr- you think that's not crazy. Try it. Go lay like your... Go, go, go lay your brick wall or go get you some blocks and build you a, a little wall. Then just walk around a few times and see if it falls when you shout. Well, so here's the deal. Every time the enemy will come in, he'll, he'll sow a seed. And what he's doing, and I'm just recapping a little bit from last week, what he's trying to do, he understands the principles. So he tries to work. He has nothing original. So he works everything. He works the principle of God, but he works it in reverse. So what Satan is doing, attempting to do, is is work Romans, the principle of Romans chapter 12, where we're instructed, do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now you renew your mind with truth or or God's information. People perish for lack of knowledge. So what Satan is trying to do, he says, I want to renew your mind. I want you, I want to conform your mind to this world. And I have the information to get you there. Yeah. <laughs> he does nothing different but God, but it's just a whole different source of information. And the reason why it works so well is because, you know, we do live in a natural world and we do have a body and we do have these senses and emotions. And since we touch the world and we feel the world and can smell and feel, and we, we know grief and sorrow and pain and suffering and we, we know all these things through a human life, that part of it, our senses, our emotions can become very real, and that's where he operates. He operates in the soulless realm, and the soulless realm is very powerful. When you're born again, you're born again of the spirit, but your soul didn't get there. But you're in the process of being saved, aren't you? Are, are you not? Amen. I mean, there's a total, there's, there's the total salvation of the soul, and how do we do that? We change what we think. You say, well, it's hard for me to change because I believe this all my life. Well. I, I've been there. I've been there. I said, I always thought this was true until I found out that it wasn't. Amen. Until I found out it wasn't. Amen. So, you know, medical science has now proven things. You know, that 20 years ago, they said, well, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And then you'll see reports that so we did further studies and found out our study is wrong. It's not harmful at all. So I'm still waiting for them to tell me chocolate's really, really, really good for you. Dark light and anything. You know, just like cookies, all of it. It's just really good for you. Kind of waiting on that report a long time. But anyway, well, the, so the, the, the truth will stand because God stands. Hmm? And uh, we love to see miracles. But when we see miracles, we're not seeing what miracle. Well, when you see a miracle or you've, <clears throat> you've, you've, you've been in a meeting or maybe you ministered to someone and a miracle took place. When the miracle took place, you're not seeing what God does. You're seeing who God is. Hmm? See, Moses said one thing about God, different from the Israelites. The Israelites said they, want, they saw the acts of God, but Moses said, but I want to know the heart of God. In other words, I, I want to know what he does and why he does it, and I want to know the motivation. I want to know the very essence of God. Paul said, I want to know even, you know, not only the good part, he said, but I want to know the fellowship of every suffering. And Paul was on the pursuit. He's saying these things. He said, I'm on the full pursuit of these things with God. And most theologians said he said that after 25 years. He said, man, I'm, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling to send Christ Jesus. He said, this a press, and I'm moving on. Never where he went, it was either riot or revival, wasn't it? So we've got we to watch catchy phrases, and I've used it, and other people use it, but sometimes use it. You use phrases and it sounds good and there's a principle to it and there's a truth to it, but it may not be the truth. Uh, um, A real catchy phrase. And I don't, once again, I don't disagree with this, but it's not, it's not the whole truth. People say, well, go where you're celebrated, not, you know, not where you're tolerated. There is a principle to that, but in totality, that is not the truth. Jesus did not always go where he was celebrated. They did not celebrate him at Golgotha. Paul was stoned and left for dead more than once. Paul was shipwrecked and he was beat. He was in prison. That is not what you call celebration. We're glad you're here. Beat him. (laughs) Come into our city, stone him. So Paul went to a lot of places that he was not being tolerated. Matter of fact, you know, when Paul was stoned, his disciples raised back up around him. He was either really, really hurting, or really, really dead. We don't know for sure, but it was it, they, they left him for dead. Those who stoned him assumed him he was dead. The other uh, disciples and uh, in, encompassed around him and raised him back up. And Paul said, "We got to go back in there and finish this teaching." Would you go back in there <laughs> if they left you for dead for stoning you? I say, let's wait a while. Let's go back and think it over. Let's go back and see if we can get a, 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 a prophet to give us a, you know, two or three testimonies on this, whether we should go back. No, so that's not being, that's not being celebrated, is it? No. They didn't, they didn't want, because they said, when I saw Paul coming, I think it's Acts 17, they said, here's Paul, and here's his men. He said, this is the traveling band of Paul, and now all these people who are coming here he said, "They everywhere they go, they're turning the world upside down. Praise God. So, John, or Isaiah chapter 61, the, uh, the prophet said, Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 1, is upon me. Say me. me. Because he hath anointed me, me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberties to, or liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to them that are bound. Notice that the Spirit of the God was upon, but he was upon He said, Me three times. Mm-hmm. Well, that scripture is just as relevant to you today. The Spirit of the Lord is in you, but it also can be upon you. And He sent you to preach the gospel, the glad night, the glad tidings of the good news. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first and then to the Greek. And the gospel will set people free. So what we need is not more power. What we need is more gospel because the gospel itself is the, it is the very power of God that will deliver people. And so he's declaring the words that the Messiah will speak years to come. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is a year of favor. It It was a year of jubilee, wasn't it? So during that time, I mean, if you had lost land or homes or they had taken your children as a bond slave, couldn't pay your bills, you got everything back. I mean, they sound the they sound the trumpet, and it's jubilee, the fiftieth year, woo, and here it comes. I mean, it's debt cancellation. Praise the Lord! Somebody sound the alarm. <clears throat> and so he said, uh, the, "the the day of uh and I'm, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to pour unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes." and the oil of joy for mourning. Let me read that from Amplified. I may just swap over. I'm headed down to the end of this chapter. To grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, he will give them an ornament, a garland, a didium, of, of beautiful, of beauty instead of ashes, and the oil of joy. Well, the oil is typical of what? The Holy Spirit... And he's called the spirit of joy also. Spirit of what? Joy. What's joy look like? Huh? Where does joy come from? Our head? Comes out of our spirit, right? And so he said, he said, he'll give you the oil of joy. You know, he said, it will replace your mourning and your grief. How many of y'all believe the Bible? He'll give you the garment of excessive praise. People say, well, don't, let's don't get too aggressive. <laughs> well, actually, I, I didn't read it right, but it, it's okay. It's expressive. Expressive praise. Right? Because some people tell me, you know, well, we're, we're just real happy and just <laughs> praise the Lord. Well, I mean, I mean, where's the expression? Hmm? Yeah. Happiness has an expression. Joy has an expression. Right? I mean, someone calls you today and they say, you know, you're, you know, I'm your long lost relative, you know, whatever, and your three uncles back, you know, and here you are and, and you didn't even know three uncles back and here they got you in there for $3 million. And you say, well, I appreciate y'all coming by. <laughs> we're going to be busy next week. We can't code the reading of the wheel, but maybe you could, maybe we'll get back get with y'all later. Oh no, we're going to change our schedule. Are you going to change your schedule? Then if you find out it's true, I'm going to have a little. Right. Yeah, that's right. We might even go on a trip or two. Right. Hallelujah. So so joy will have an expression. But not if you're stuck in grief. Hmm? Not if you're stuck in grief. You say you don't know what I've lost. The Lord lost a lot more than you have. After Adam and Eve, he lost the whole world. You lost your American Express card. You, maybe. Maybe they took your visa card, took a car. The Lord lost the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him not perish but have everlasting life. But some of those wouldn't receive him and he not only lost them, he lost them to eternal damnation. Hmm. So he understands grief and he understands sorrow. Amen. Amen. But he also knows about the spirit of praise. He knows about the oil of joy. Hallelujah. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Brother Copeland's mother was dying when he was preaching a meeting and he was going to cancel the meeting, go home, hand off someone else and got word to his mother. She was still cognizant enough to do that. And she said, if you do, if you if you cancel that meeting and you come here, she said, you're you not gonna have so much trouble when you get here. I'm gonna I'm gonna rebuke you for a thousand years. <laughs> she says, now I'm going home and you do your job. He said, that was the hardest thing I ever did. Preach the gospel to help people, but who wouldn't want to be with their mother when they was leaving? Wow. You say, well, he's just one of them unusual types. Well, he just had to go to the Word. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong about being with people like that or or in that kind of situation. But I'm just saying there's a bigger truth to it so that we don't get to the place to where we're immobile. See, that's what he wants to do is immobilize you. He wants you focusing on what happened or what didn't happen or, you know, what we lost or what we could lose or the way it looked. Then he wants to weigh against, you know, you, you stood for this and you stood for this and you stood for this and look where it's got you. That's the same thing as him coming up in your garden and saying, look at that tree. Hmm? See, there can't be destruction in your life until there's deception. And Jesus said, he's, he was, he's a murderer. He's, he's the father of all lies. And he's a liar from the very beginning. So anything he's telling you is a lie. Anything he tells you. The devil's never told the truth about anything. So I always really get excited when he talks to me. If I get the impression the devil's talking to me at all, not that I'm having conversations with him, but but I'm talking about in thought life. Well, he says, you know, you're, this is not going to work out. You're not ever going to get any better. And I said, praise God. Hallelujah. Michelle said, what is it? I said, I think the devil just told me I'm not ever going to get any better. <laughs> she says, well, what's the deal? I says, well, he's a liar. He can see some things in the spirit, not everything, but he sees some things in the spirit, right? Amen. <laughs> I remember one time I was believing God for a lot of money going to Bible school. Well, enough money to get me through that month of school for her and for high and pay daycare. And well, it was $500. Pay her tuition, my tuition, and the week of daycare. <clears throat> and it didn't come in when I thought it ought to come in. Well, it didn't come in in time. So I'm in faith, and I get, on my, I get my Bible, and I get my notebook, and I got my suit on, and I got my my, uh, my Ramey tag. And, but, you know, you get, uh, it's due on the 1st, but by the 10th, you've got a 10-day grace period. So I'm a person of faith, and I go to school. And I'm thinking, i going to be to take a miracle. So I'm not asking anybody for money, but I'm just standing around the mission office because that's where you're going to pay, right, for the month. And I'm standing right there, and, and finally the bell rings, and doors close. And uh, I didn't drive. I didn't move 700 miles away to hear, to hear doors close. <laughs> I went to, there to go to school. So I was standing there. And... Believing I was in faith, taking every step of faith I could. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm on campus, right? But I can't go in that classroom because I hadn't paid for the month, and she can't go in. And um, so, left, and I got I got pretty upset. And uh, and I told the Lord how I said you did me wrong. That's and the reason I told him that I said, well, you know everything we think, so ain't, there's no need hiding it. I said, you did me wrong. You did me wrong. This is, you know, not yesterday. This was like 20, almost 25 years ago. Whenever I was at Rainbow, 1992 to 94. So it's been a little bit. So uh, I said, you, you just did me wrong. And I said, I was believing you. So I went off and had me a little pity party. And I didn't have any money. And I re- And I looked down and I didn't have any gas. And I didn't have any money to get back to the house. And I, I pulled the seats out of the back of this Toyota Corolla and I found, I found almost a dollar. A dollar. Well, at that time in 1992, gas was 99 cents in Tulsa. So I bought almost a gallon. You know, which is like, uh, this is for gas. <laughs> it's, <kind> of, <laughs> it's like 89, 89 cents worth, you know. Or you know, I, I was afraid enough to click it to a dollar you know, I, I'd be, they'd hold me hostage. So I went a little bit, <laughs> went a little bit shy of it. And uh, I wasn't far from home, but I couldn't get home. So I got home, and that day I was off from work. And, uh, you know, I'm 700 miles away from home. Not going to get paid for four or five more days. Uh, when I am going to get paid, don't need to go towards that. And the mail comes in. And I go to the mailbox, and I open up the mailbox, and there's a letter in there. and It's in the state of Alabama. It's from someone who had never sent us uh, anything, and they just got to thinking about us being there, and, you know. And they thought, well, maybe it'd be a good thing for us to sow a seed into them, you know, going to Bible school. Guess how much they sent us? Five hundred dollars. Well, usually, usually uh, at that time, I don't know what it is now. Usually, when you mailed a letter from there to, uh, from Oklahoma to here, it'd be three days, and vice versa. But this letter took five days. And so I opened up the letter, and there was $500, and now problem was solved. Right? I missed a one day of school, and now we're going to go back, and we're in the groove. And the Lord wasn't doing this to reprimand me, but he said, I want you to look at the letter, and I want you to look at the envelope. When we went through the post office, and I want you to see what day they stamped it. And they stamped it five days before. It just took five days to get there instead of three. He says, so the people wrote the check out five days ago and mailed it. He said, and you, you were telling me what this morning, how a pitiful job I'm doing taking care of you. He said, I, I answered your prayer days ago and it ran into the process of mail, it was a day late, but I've already answered it. How many know your answer is not already on the way? Hallelujah. Huh? So the enemy's presenting you with this, saying, look here, God's not doing this. <laughs> and you, you, you need to go. Outside of this and go, you need to go get in your wisdom and your intellect. You need to go. You need to help yourself. That's what Adam and Eve did. He said, there's God's just holding that on you. I mean, you got to get there. You know, you got a good life. But he says, but you don't have the life. And look at it. And, and Eve looked at it. And she said, I bet it tastes good. And he said, oh, it'd be good. Good, good, good. He said, you can can it, preserve it. He said, if it's an apple, you can put caramel around it and put a stick in it. It'd be famous one day. So she did. And he says, but the big deal is you'll be just like him. Now, was that true? Was any part of it true? None. But she fell for it. Did it bring destruction? Yes. But before destruction, there had to be what? Deception. Deception. So the way to stay out of destruction is always stay in truth. So we ought to analyze everything that we are saying would believe to be true. We ought to go back to the word no matter who who I or anybody else ever mentioned and say, is there substantial evidence in the word from 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 the new covenant, from the Bible, and especially from the new covenant to say this is truth? Not experience, but truth. So Jesus said, if you continue in this word, this word of truth will set you free. So he didn't say it necessarily to happen in a day. Could. But he said you have to continue. Continue looks like it's something you're going to do in a process, right? In other words, if you continue, if you want to have a good looking nails, you may have to continue to cut them. If you ladies go there, you may have to continue to do that. If you want your hair to look a certain way, you may have to go get a permanent, which I've never understood that word permanent for a woman because I thought permanent was forever. I, I said, well, I think they should say, it's time to go get a temporary. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get another one. I got to be permanent. Anyway, I'm just, you know, I don't know what I don't know. But anyway, so, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of things that we continue to do on a daily basis to reap a certain result. And uh, that's the way it is with the word. We know that the Bible says that God has magnified His very word above His name. Amen. That's Psalms one thirty-eight two, I think, without, just without going there. But anyway, let's keep on reading. We're in Isaiah what sixty what one, and uh, so He said, "I'm in the amplified now." Uh, verse three, uh, He said, "I'll give the all joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the heavy burden." And a failing spirit you we are not going to have a failing spirits we're not going to have a failing spirit. God never created a failure doesn't he know how to do it? God never created a failure. he created you in his image and his likeness to succeed. then he said that, th- that they may be called. The oaks of righteousness. Well, oak is a solid tree, isn't it? And you're an oak of righteousness. You're lofty, you're strong, you're magnificent. You are distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, that you are the planting of the Lord in order that he may be glorified. I'm telling you, God's talking good stuff about us. And then it says... uh, We'll go down to verse seven. It says, instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. In other words, you've been through some things. You've walked through some stuff and the Lord sees it. Hebrews said, he's not quick to forget your labor of love that you have shown to others. God keeps good books. He says that I'm going to pay you back and I'll pay you back double for all your trouble. Isn't that good? Amen. Amen. He says, so instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double for what they have forfeited. Sound like Job, didn't it? Job went through a lot. Job experienced a lot. Job made some mistakes. Job got it right. But in his heart, God said he'd never missed him. Job was operating in the revelation that he had. At the end of Job, uh, God opened up more understanding to him. And he said, Job, you think you know this and you think you know that? I mean, just read the last two or three chapters of Job. Job got amazingly quiet. And uh, so, but at the end of it, he said, Job never sinned. He forgave his friends, which I don't know how they really were friends, but he forgave them. And the Lord gave him double what he ever had. He was the richest man in the East, but there was not even a close comparison to him. Amen. The Lord is not through. The Lord is not through. This, the, that wasn't the last inning. I mean, this thing's forever. And I don't mean on, on this side of life. I'm talking about forever. So it's not over yet. Amen. Hmm? Amen. You, you hadn't read the headlines that's coming out in the morning. I'm telling you, it's turning. Oh, y'all not listening to me. It's turning. You got to say it's turning, turning. but it's got to be in here. See, your future is is stored up in your heart. Your future is not stored up in what I say about you, but your future is stored up in your heart. Vision speaks of tomorrow into the future. Eyes tells you what's going on in the room. The, the function of the eyes and the pupils and the retinas is, is to see physically. But the, but the purpose of, the, of vision is the, is the sight of the heart through your imagination. And that imagination is so powerful. Every one of us can use our imagination and we can see things in the spirit realm that we cannot even begin to see in the natural Matter of fact, uh, if, if I came to your place of residence or somewhere that you work and you know the area very well. And if I was coming through your part of the city or town and, um, and I'm sure this has happened to all of someone who will stop by and they say, uh, could you tell us how to get so-and-so? We're, we're looking for so-and-so. They're, they're a stranger out of town. And you, say, and, and you just know it's, they're just a few blocks away or a few miles. And you can, you can get them from where you are from the question, you can get them to the destination. And matter of fact, all you got to do is give them some landmarks, can you? And because you know the area so well, you can say, well, tell you what you got to do, you just keep on heading this way, uh, in this direction, or if it's north or whatever you go, and you're going to come to two traffic lights. On the second light, uh, you're going to turn right, and next to that will be a region's bank, right there on that corner. You're going to go up there, and you're going to go through a four-way stop, Go through that four-way stop. Then you're gonna to go to two more lights. You're gonna turn left. When you turn left, you'll see a you'll see a Napa auto parts store, and you'll turn left there. Go down. Let's see one, two, three, four blocks, and then you'll see a so-and-so restaurant on the left, and on the right you'll see a Subway. And the next thing, the next business past Subway is where you're looking at. Now, where did you get that information? Well, one, you're familiar with the territory, right? But to be able to go say two traffic lights, three and four and turn left and you'll see this, that came out of your imagination. You could picture it. You could see it. You've got to be able to see your life, what it looks like in this book right here and get it out of the book and get it into your heart. If you get it into your heart, you can walk it out. If it just stays in the book, it'll just be a book. And you might just go out the library and just get Mark Twain out. It'll, it'll make no difference to you, but if you'll get the book and you'll get the vision of the book and you'll get, you'll, you'll get the essence of the book and you'll put it in you until you speak it and you meditate upon it and you see it with the vision of your heart, it becomes so real to you that nothing else in your world makes sense but what you see in your heart that came out of this book. Amen. You say, but the x-ray said this, I don't give three thrips about, about an x-ray. I've x-rayed the x-ray. <laughs> Hmm? I mean, you, you, you understand that, that, that God knows what he's doing and he's worked with people. They make mistakes, but God generally gets his way. We were talking about this at the house the other day and we said uh, about Jonah and he, he just has simple instruction to go where? Nineveh, preach the gospel. Did the boy want to go? No. He said, I don't want, you know, he, he didn't even like the people of Nineveh. And he knew God was kind and he'd forgive them. I don't, I don't want them forgiven. I ain't going to go preach on there. I think I'll go get on a cruise and go somewhere. That boy went on the water, got in the ship. They had trouble. Someone on the ship knew God enough to know that we've got trouble making on the ship. And Jonah said, hey, it's me. So what did they do with him? They got rid of some of the cargo. Jonah, they threw him overboard. They threw him overboard. Did he drown? No, God had a, God had provision for him. He had a whale. (laughs) Swallow him up. And God put the GPS in the whale and said, uh, tell the whale uh, Nineveh. (laughs) He was in there three days and three nights inside of a belly of a whale. Some said, I don't even believe that Bible is true. I don't care what you believe. I believe it's true. It's in the Bible, don't you? Amen. And he was in there three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. I mean, he had a whale of a time, but I'm just telling you, after three days, that that whale was headed to Nineveh, and he threw him up on the shoreline. And we were joking joking about this at the house. Now, you know before that boy priest, he had to have a shower. Because we've all been sick at some time, or a kid or whatever, and they, you know, upchucked. But what does it look like when a whale up chugs? Now you know that boy had to have some uh, some shampoo and some soap and some Q-tips and clean his ears out and blow his nose and everything before he could go stop, talk to anybody. But you know what? Jonah was ready to start seeing things God's way. So while he was in the ship, ship, uh, while he was in the whale, and he was and he was the cargo, he said these symptoms of mine inside of a whale. He said. They're just a bunch of lying vanities. <laughs> well, most people thought he'd lost his mind, right? <laughs> uh, say, uh, Jonah, you in the whale. You in the whale. <laughs> he said, it's just a bunch of lying vanities. That's what he called. He called his symptoms a lying vanity. So they show you an x-ray. That says, that ain't good. You say, but well, uh, I ain't talked to it yet. Hmm. When I when I get through with your X-ray, we'll take another one, and it'll, it'll all be just fine. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Because see, you're a spirit, right? You are a spirit being. Amen. You say, well, I, I can't live any further. I got a bad heart. Well, hey, listen, you're not a heart. I got kidney issue. You're not a kidney. You're not a liver. You're not an eardrum. You're not a bundle of nerves. You're a spirit man made, made by God, made in the very likeness and the image of God. Amen. You are a spirit being and God lives in your spirit. You are a God house. You are the very address of God. You are the very headquarters of God. Your body is the very temple of the Holy Ghost. So no demonic spirit is going to come in and run God's temple. Unless you let him. How could we let him? He wants you to say, do you see this? Do you feel this? Do you see that? Do you see this? Your mama had that? Your daddy had that? Well, you've heard it before. Heard it many times. I I forgot what translation is. Pastor Buzz used to give us the translation. I got it somewhere at home. But it says, but you've been refathered." From above. Well, I got this thing, and you know, this blood pressure, high or low from my daddy. But he said, Yep, yeah, you've been refathered, boy. <laughs> In his Arkansas talk. He said, you, you, You've been refathered. You're a new specimen. You're a new creation, never existed. The old, you died. God could have tried to fix you up. He thought about it. Maybe he said, hey, ain't worth fixing. this, blow him up. We'll just make a, make, make a brand new man, put him, just put a brand new man on, on the planet. One, I mean, just someone that ain't never existed before. Amen. And the Father and the Holy Ghost and Jesus had a powwow in heaven. They said, I tell you what, this is how it's going to work. We'll just go live inside of them. Amen. We've never done that before. Let's just go on the inside. Let's take over from the inside. Amen. No one in the Old Testament had, Old Testament had that. They said they look forward to your day. See, we, we, we hear that and we just say that's an amen point, but it's not an amen point. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The, the, the creator of the heavens of the universe is living inside of your belly. Out of your innermost being shall, shall flow rivers of living water. The same resurrection life that Christ was raised from the dead is dwelling in your mortal being, in your spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now, you know how much opposition it must have been to raise Christ from the dead in hell? There was like zero opposition, zero, zero opposition for creation. God just said this, and God said this, and God said it, and God there was. But now we got all hell and every demonic spirit. You ever see one playing football and they're fumbling the ball and everybody jumps on it and we're all saying we got it and they said they got it, we got it, and there's 50 of them out there. And you <laughs> You pull them out like this. it's like a bunch of spaghetti. We get down to the very beginning and we see who has the ball. Right. Well, here's. The, so that's the deal. We got it. We got it. We got it. But God said, I got this thing. So when mankind fell, God didn't come try to fix this, just fix the situation. God took responsibility for the fall. Now, listen, he didn't come just to fix your mistake. He come and took responsibility for the fall of man. Mm. And Jesus said, I'll do that by becoming a man. God, and God said, no, you, but, but you're God like me. He said, but then what we can do it is if you become a human. But you'll have the spirit without measure, which is the way they'll have it. But you'll no longer be deity. You, you won't be God in the sense you were God. And Jesus agreed to it to please the Father. And Jesus had to be what? Anointed of the Holy Ghost. How did, he, how did the Son of Man defeat the devil? As a man submitted to God, submitted to the Word of God, submitted to the truth of God, and every time he was opposed by the enemy, opposing force, he would say, devil speaking, and say, Hang on. Nah, it's written. The devil come again, and he said, "Hang on." Actually, he didn't have to do that. He already knew it. He just tell him what's written. He just tell him what's written. All we got to do is know what's written. Get what's written on the inside. Write it on your heart, because your future is stored up on the inside of you. It's in your heart. Romans ten said. We don't go to the heights to get God, to get help. And we don't go to the depth to find God. To bring, we don't try to bring him down or bring him up. He said, but the word is nigh thee. Where is it? It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Amen. Where's the word at? Now, is the word the answer? So the answer is what? Near you. It says the word of God is nigh you. I'll say this way. The, the answer is nigh you. Where is the, where's the answer? It's nigh you. Where is it at? It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. Amen. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing by itself won't get the job done. We've got to hear the word, but then the word or the answer has to be released in word form. We live in the economy of God's economy, which is words. Amen. You say, well, I believe it. Yep. but have you released the power? Amen. You have to release the power. You can, You can have a V8 and have... I don't care how many cc's you have or torque converter and all that, but until you crank it, mash that pedal, you might as well not even have a motor there. So you you have the power on the inside. You have the power source on the inside. Now, he's the power. He's the source. Paul said, it's him. It's not even me. Jesus said it was him. It's not even me. He said, it's he that doeth the works, Jesus said. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. He said, it's not even me. Paul said, I died. With Christ, I died. But the, but the life that I'm now living in the flesh, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who gave his life for me. So he, Paul said, it's not even me living. It's his life. Amen. Paul said, I died. Amen. I died. Amen. In other words, one, tra- uh, one of the old uh, translations, he said, Paul said, uh, I got my eye knocked out. It's no longer me. It's Christ. So the greatest miracles I ever saw was after I had the revelation of it's no longer Eric. Every time I'd go there, I'd feel the pressure because it would be a a categorized big miracle. You know, you know how, you know, headaches one thing, but then you might get over to Pneumonia or double pneumonia, and you know that makes the Lord real nervous. And then if it's cancer, you know the Lord goes fast, three or four days. Hmm. See, healing's not an event, and we made it an event. Healing's just your covenant. It's just your covenant right. It's it's my right. It's just it's just called. Blood, covenant, justice. Amen. Anything going on now? That is an injustice. So, if it's an injustice, it has to be declared improper. And then you go, as I was talking about last week, to the courts of heaven. We we pray and we agree on earth, and we we fight this battle. Or call, you know, we call it spiritual warfare. But really, we should take our battle and not fight it on this this earthly realm. We should go to the the third heaven where God resides and hold court there. And say, God, this is what happened. Guess who your attorney is? Jesus. You think he's ever lost a case? And when Jesus presents his information to the judge, guess who the judge is? Yeah, and they kind, of, they kind of got an inside connection and when you do that there's actually an interesting study when you go into it so there's, there's daily courts in heaven Job, Job would be an Old Testament example where he came, he ascended and, and he asked God about Job you know, he says this is why he's serving you because you've blessed him you do this, but see that was in a heavenly court sense so every time that we we make mistakes or make sin or, 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 or sin or miss the marks, Satan comes up before God and said, you know, you can't bless them because of this. And if we know who we are and we know that we're the righteousness of God and he's taking, taking care of past, present, and future and we and, 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 and we're right with God and the righteousness of God, then what does Jesus say? Well, he takes that information and he says, what's well, true? What 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 he says over here happened Tuesday, but Father, here's the truth. Judge, here's the truth. I went to the cross for them. I shed my blood for them. I went to the whipping cross for them. I had defeated Satan on 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 every side and prayed to him around through three worlds. And they believed that, and they they believed that and they became the righteous God in Christ Jesus. And and Judge, if you look in the book, you'll say their names written in red, my blood in the last book of life. So this this uh Prosecuting attorney. He has no leg to stand on because my blood says they're not guilty. And the judges say, case closed. Boom. And then you'll get a just verdict. So that's better than trying to fight it down here on this realm. Why don't we just descend by faith into the spirit realm and take it to the high court? Well, your Ephesians 2 said you're already seated there in heavenly places well if you're seated there that he says then you're already far above all this other stuff that's bothering you principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness so why would we want to come fight them from here and give them an advantage to come down here you know when, when I was a kid I learned that because I had an older brother and he was always bigger still is and, and we had sticks or swords, or we had plastic swords. Actually, what we, we had was a, actually, what we had was a, um, my uncle owned the chair shop. And he had those little, what, two by two sticks. And we'd sand them down, and make a little handle for it. And that's supposed to be our sword. And my mother wouldn't let us make a point on the end because she's pretty sure we'd kill her, each other. <laughs> <laughs> so we just had to get the square blunt in. But he, but he was taller than me and bigger than me, and so he had, he had reach on me. But we had some places in the yard, you know, where there was a little rise or a terse, and I found out if I could get on the hill and I could come down him like this, I had the advantage of him. Because he was trying to go up, and uh, while he was trying to get me in here, I could stab him in the armpit. <laughs> <laughs> or, or in the neck. And then our deal, our deal was, if we did this, you had to put a dead sticker on you. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you, I died more times than he did before I found that hill. <laughs> 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 yeah. And he hurt me bad, so, so bad one time that, uh, oh, I was so mad. Uh, I found the power of rocks. <laughs> and I slid one right in the midsection, and Goliath fell. <laughs> we lived in the middle of 20 acres. I didn't know about Goliath, but I'd, uh, the story about Goliath, I knew something about it, and I was, you know, I was probably 12, 13 years old, and he was 14, or I was 13, he was 15. But I knew this Goliath was going to get up. <laughs> and there was no one to protect me. I didn't know God back then, a whole lot. So I hid in them 20 acres of wood until my parents come home. And when they were in the yard, I come out. <laughs> I had a little smarts. Yeah, so, so we, we're, we need to work this thing to our advantage. Amen. You see, we're the ones who have ascended. He's the one that descended. He was the one that lost his position. He's in a low place. You're in a high place. You've been raked right the highest. God's creation is his highest created being. That's what Psalms 8 says, what is man, God, that you're so mindful of him? That you have created mankind with such glory and honor. It's just, what is it that you do, that, that you think about your creation like this? Now, this is just my my, my belief, but I believe it was there, I believe it was the angels, and I believe they were asking God about this, and I believe they were asking because of the pre-adamic race that fell. And they said, Do you really want to give this another another go again? And God says, I love them. I love my creation. He said, I'm going to put my glory in them. He said, I'm going to make them righteous with my righteousness. Mm -hmm. See, there's a difference. You're not just righteous. You're righteous with his righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we know a truth so much that we we, we lose the awe of it, that you're just as righteous as Jesus. Could you imagine John 17 says, the Father loves you equally to Jesus. Jesus. We can see him loving Jesus that way. But I don't know about you, but see, I'm, since I was born 62, I know three times I've made mistakes. Marginal four. So it's hard, hard for me to see that, that Jesus, you know, just thinking. How could you? I could see. I could, I could receive that you love me, God, but you love me no less than Jesus. You don't love Jesus even a smidge more. He says, I gave his life up for yours. Which child of yours would you let someone kill to save somebody else's child? That should tell you your worth. Hmm? I can see giving an old dog could give you trouble, something like that, you know, but <laughs> whatever. You know, a pet around the house if you had to, but. Hallelujah. So this is who we are. This is the truth that makes us free. I said, this is the truth that makes us free. So if the question once again was, if believing the truth will make you free or set you free, then what's going to happen that if we live from a lie? I mean, we all had different experiences. I grew up in a church where good people loved God, meant very well. Just didn't have any revelation on healing. Just just an observer as a kid growing up all those years, I just watched everyone come up and get anointed with oil. And I listened to their prayers. I don't know what I don't know. And they didn't know what they didn't know. So it was well meaning. I wasn't. I'm not talking about the motivation of the heart. But the prayers always went like this, and you probably grew up with maybe something like this. And we, it was a very sincere prayer, but it was all geared towards God and His sovereignty. So within, like this, Lord, if it's Your will, right, heal, sister, so and so. When it was severe. Sister so-and-so never made it. I could, I could go to that church and walk you around the graveyard and show you sister so-and-so. Now, they're all in heaven, so it's, it's a great day. They wouldn't reverse it for anything. But we didn't know. And when we don't know, we're operating out of ignorance. The, and the enemy has this at his advantage because you just don't know what you don't know. But you know what? You know what changed all that for me? I went somewhere and they knew some, they knew some truth. They read me a little scripture out of Hosea. Said people are being, my, my people are being destroyed for a lack of truth. Then they began to teach me truth. And I thought, man, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I never heard of that. 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 First time I got sick in that church, I was uh, twenty eight years old. I don't think I'd ever had a migraine headache, but it was a, it was a, I had one that day, and I didn't go to church. Um, it was one of those that you just so nauseated, and, and I know I, I told the story here, but uh, I could tell Tuscaloosa about it yet, whoever's listening, but I, I put a belt around my head and squeezed it because it was just so intense, and I had a wet rag and a hot rag and you no know, Tylenol, nothing like it would touch it, and it was just nauseating, nauseating. You ever had a migraine headache that just hung with you for a while? And it was, uh, you know, and your eyes hurt and you just sick to your stomach. Well, Michelle went to church and one of the ladies asked, well, where's Eric? She said, well, he had a really bad migraine headache and he, was, he told me to go on. And she said, well, can I come pray for him? She says, well, when? She says, now, after church. Now, see, I, this is why I was raised up in, in a Pentecostal church. And I knew God used women to teach Sunday school back there and, you know, or do stuff in the kitchen, make cookies and sandwiches. Because I only know what I know, right? So she comes in with some oil and she opens up the Bible and tells me how she's going to take authority over the devil. And I said, Who is? Where's, where's Pastor so and so? She says, oh, He's at home, I guess. I said, Well, who's we? She said, Just me. And I'm wanting to say, well, you can't do that. You're a woman. Because I only know what I know, right? But, you know, I was hurting so bad. I was like, I'm willing to try anything. I'd let a gorilla pray for me. (laughs) Or just pull my head off and let's just be done with it. And uh, so she she just laid hands on me. And she said, the Bible says believers lay hands on the sick and sick shall recover. And I take authority over this headache. I take authority over this migraine. And I command Satan, to you release him. And I command this migraine to go away. Command to be peace in your life and peace in your, in your body right now. In Jesus' name, I declare you're healed and whole. And I was healed completely in five seconds. That was my first taste of healing. After being in church all my life, 30 years, and it came to a woman's hand. And I'm like, you do this stuff? <laughs> he does. Amen usually use women more than men because they're willing to go help somebody. (laughs) And so she drove out of her way to come help me. And man, that put me on a quest for truth. And let's finish right here. Um, This is a verse that uh, in Mark chapter 11, that, that put me on the quest for this. Mark chapter 11. Should have been called the book of Kenneth because Kenneth Hagin wrote this scripture. Mark chapter 11. So I I started going to church and hearing these truths. I mean, I've been church all my life, never heard these things. And I thought, we have faith, we have authority. God wants us to be well. God wants us to be healed. It's not if this and if that. He decides case by case. And the pastor said, no. Where'd you get that? I said, well, I've been taught that all my life. He says, that, that's not the way it works. And man, I was on to something. I was I was thrilled about it. See, most I've met people all their life. They were just glad to get rid of the headache and go on. I was glad to get rid of the migraine, but I wanted to know if that can happen once, it can happen twice, and I'm going to find out how you do that. Amen. So... We know, for sake of time, and to a listening audience who knows very well the contents of Mark chapter eleven. We know that Jesus spoke to a fig tree, didn't he? And we know that the fig tree, you could tell no visible difference when Jesus spoke to it. He went to go get figs. There was no figs on it. So he spoke to it, and he says, "No man shall leave you hereafter. You're not fulfilling your purpose. You, you got green leaves." Yeah, which means you're trying to tell me you got figs, but there's no figs here. If you're not going to live your purposes. There's no need being here. So the next day, they come back out of, I guess it was it Bethany, they came back out and Peter saw the fig tree, remember, that uh, Jesus had cursed. Some people, you have to say it real, they had enough familiar with a story three or four times through the years. People say, thought I said cussed. But no, Jesus didn't curse. He cur- cursed. C u r s e d. Jesus cursed the fig tree, but he cursed it at the roots. But you can't see that. It's the same thing as I call the the Roundup anointing. You spray Roundup on the on the grass and the weeds, right? And when you walk, when you drive away or walk away, you know I got I just put my little tank on my golf cart and I just go for a ride. You know, three acres, that's a lot of, you know. I wasn't using a two-gallon pump thing. It was taking me a half a month to do the yard. And I got me a big tank, and I just ride and spray. Shh. And all it looked like I was doing was wetting grass. Wet grass is even greener, right, for a little while. But after five, after three days, two, three days, it changed. I started kind of turning yellow and yellow-brown. And after seven, eight days, it was completely ground. It died. But where did they die from? From the top to the bottom or from the bottom to the top? The bottom to the top. So Jesus spoke to the the root of the problem. And a lot of times why, why the reason we're not getting lasting results is we're just going off and picking off the fruit we don't want anymore and not getting to the root of it. We just said, I'm tired, look at this and we'll, and we'll Pick the fruit that we don't like off, but we'll never get to the source of the problem. And God's the answer, and God is the source, the good source. God is your source, Hmm? and He'll give and He'll use you as a resource. But He's the source. But there's one thing that God's never going to help you do. He's not going to help you become the source. God's a source, you're a resource, but he'll never, ever, ever teach you how to become the source. Jesus said, the works that I do, it's him doing them. So Peter looked at this fig tree and, and he said, Master, the, the, the fig tree that, that you cursed, he said, it's, it's withered away. And Jesus said, my gosh, I can't hardly believe it. It did? And he ran over to say Oh my gosh, put this in a journal. You know, Jesus cursed the fig tree. He never looked back, did he? And I think he only spoke like nine, ten words to it. He didn't throw the whole Bible at it. Jesus didn't open up his Charles Katz book and just say, now you listen here. And he went through all the scriptures. He just spoke to the truth. What was he doing? There was a problem. He got to the root of the problem. Sometimes we're dealing with everything topical. I can't stop the tears. Let's get to the root of it. I can't stop the grief. Let's get to the root of it. I can't stop the pain. Let's get to the root of it. Let's go ahead and bind the strong man, gag him, tie him up, shut him up, and go there and get our stuff back. Amen, oh, yeah. Because the, the strong man is just running around. The higher ranking demon, he's running around. And on Sunday, he'll throw you a low level devil think you've done something. And we'll say, "Woo, we got that out. And on Tuesday, the, he comes out behind the column. He says, "Nah, I still here. I still i And he'll throw you one of those little principalities or powers. The rules of the darkness still be running the show. Hmm? But, but we go in there and bind him up and gag him up and say, that's it, dude. You out of here. There's a new sheriff in town. Take it over. We're large. We're in charge. So Jesus said, you got to go in there and bind the strong man gag him up, tie him up, shut him up and go back there and he says and you'll, speak, he said, you'll see the spoils all around him. Your stuff he has. Mm-hmm. So let's quit picking this fruit and let's de-root it. Hmm? You know when, when they can't fix your tooth from the top there's just, it's not worth saving then they extract it. Or if you've got a wisdom tooth They have to go in there and say, this is going to cause you a lot of pain. So if you're going to have a lot of pain in your life, what do they do? They extract it so you won't have pain. A lot of people have pain, but they don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to extract anything. A lot of of people have problems in the body, and and the church has a problem, and sometimes what the body needs is a good bowel movement. Sometimes what you need is a spiritual enema. Sometimes God gets rid of things. I'm closing right here. And I read this scripture back in 1990. When did we go? 1990? Yeah. First time I, I ever knew the scripture was in the Bible. I lady laid hands on me and I said, I'm going to find out about this. I said, I've been ready to throw up and I thought about shooting myself twice. And some woman comes over with a bottle of oil and starts talking to the devil like she's gonna pull him to pieces. I mean, she was talking rough to that sucker. I mean, not me, but I mean she would be nice to me. And she coming there. I mean, you know, she's just, you know, she wasn't 700 pounds. She just, just and she said, then that ain't gonna happen here. And I think, well, what? I thought it was shocking me. <laughs> and she said, No, I'm talking about your migraine. She said, that's leaving. I said, this?" She says, it is. I said, well, how do we know? She says, that's why I came here. I said, you did? What are you going to do? She said, I'm going to curse it. I said, you're going to curse what? You're going to curse it? Gonna... No, curse. Curse it. I'm going to curse it. She said, never mind. You don't know. I'll teach you later. And she it, I mean, cursed it. And it left in five seconds. And I thought, I'm going to find out something about that. I've never understood why people didn't want to find out no more. It's because they're just fruit pickers. i tell you what, if you own a peach orchard around here, you can pick fruit. If you don't ever prune, three years, you ain't going to have a crop. You're going to have little bitty nuggets. It used to look like peaches like this, but because you don't ever deal with the, with the, with the dead limbs and the fruit and you don't go and prune, John 15 you're going to lose your fruit and you're going to lose your orchard and you're going to lose your harvest and you're going to lose your destiny. And so, so sometimes to get greater good, God does a little bit of Holy Ghost pruning Amen. for your good. Because we hang on to things and we think that we, that we can't go on without that. We've got to have this. No, you have to have Him. I said you got to have Him. Amen. So Jesus said unto him, He told Peter, He said, Peter, have faith in God. Just... How, or, or have the God kind of faith, Peter. Yeah. Right? No, no big deal. Then, then the, here are the uh, two verses that just changed my life. For verily I say unto you that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And I read that with this revelation of. What had just happened to me? And I said, Wow. And uh, and the pastor, uh, he preached on it a lot. And I'm thinking, so I asked him, I said, Now, Pastor, that whosoever, he said, Yeah, I said, said, Is that me? He said, That's you, Eric. I said, Get out of town. He said, That's you. Whosoever shall say into this mountain. I said, Well, what was the mountain? He said, Well, I heard about your experience. He said, That mountain was up migraine. That mountain could be grief. It could be sorrow. It could be a relationship problem. It could be a financial problem. He said, you're going to have to talk to it. I said, he said, what you been doing? I said, well, I just go to God and tell him about the problem. He said, how's your results? I said, I ain't getting none. He said, I know you're not. He said, no, I never told you to talk to him about your problems. I said, he didn't. He said, no, he told you to talk to the problem. Now, I know you know that and y'all know that. And you're like, yeah, we know that. Come on, let's go eat chicken. As you know, a lot of people don't know this and people who think they know it, don't know it and they're not doing it. Faith comes by hearing. But if you don't release faith, faith's going nowhere. You're just walking around. I got faith. I got faith. Well, unless you release faith, you have nothing. You have knowledge. You have intellect. But I want results. So here we go. He says, so whoever shall say in this mountain, be thou removed, cast the sea, shall not down his heart, believe the thing which he says to come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he he saith. So this is speaking, right? Brother Hagin brought a little bit more revelation this year, years later, the Lord showed him, he says, now if you notice that verse, he said, uh, he says, it says, the word say more times, it says believe. I think it says, you have to say it, he says, it says, say three times more, it says believe. See, uh, in a vision that Brother Hagin had, Jesus told him, he said, you're going to have to do three times more teaching on the saying part than you are the believing part, because my people are mostly not believe, are losing it. In the believing part, they're losing it by default in the saying part. They're not saying. They're just saying, well, I believe in this. That doesn't work for you. I mean, that, that'd be like, you know, you're hungry, and you go by Jack's, you say, you know, I, if I, if I went to Jack's, you know, they'd have some chicken or hamburger and I could eat. And you just drive by it. You say, man, I'm powerfully hungry. Then you pass it. Then you turn around and go the other way and go across the bridge and come back. You say, I know if we were to go in there, we could get something to eat. We wouldn't be hungry more." And you drive back down to the church. Then you get in church and you go back and back and you go, you know, up here to the interstate and you go by Jack's again. You say, man, I'm, I'm hungry and I wasn't a pass by the last two times. You think, well, dummy, just drive it in and get something to eat. Hmm? So we're going to, have to do more about saying because you're already believing, right? Because your authority is his authority. It's dominion, it's power, but it has to be released. I mean, a cannon coming you know, or a torpedo or a bomb is never powerful until it's released. You could fly over a city, you know, you're going to bomb a, Whatever, you know, you know, in the military exercise, but until you release it, you're just flying over it. But are we releasing it? Verse 24 is really saying the same thing, but it's actually he's saying it in prayer. He says, therefore, I say to thee, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you show up, have them. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you do what? Receive them, which means I take it right then. I take my healing right now because God only has now. He doesn't have tomorrow. He has now. So when I pray, I believe that I receive it. I believe that I take it. I believe that it's mine when I pray. Amen. And he says, and then you shall have them. In other words, it, it will make, it'll manifest if you'll believe it and say it and take it when you, when you pray or when you say it. You can say it or you can pray it, but, but you're going to have to take it and you're going to have to be persuaded about it, and you're going to have to stay with the same, same thing, and don't let hit, hit, uh, the untruth become, come in and, and work into your soul and your emotions to change what you actually really do believe in your heart. Because the, the pull is to get into your emotional realm and get you to look this way and that way and be distorted from truth so that you don't stay focused with the truth Because if He can get you to come over here, you'll talk about what you'll see over here. And you'll dig up the very seed that you planted over there, and you'll never get the harvest because you can't can't plant a, a hybrid seed and come out with a pure crop. Amen. Last verse and we'll go. And when you stand, pray and forgive. Well... I'll forgive them, but I ain't forgetting it. Well, you ain't forgave nothing. The Lord forgave you and forgot it, right? When you stand praying, forgive if you have all against uh, some people. No, against any. That that leaves it wide open to whatever they did. When you stand praying, forgive if you have all against any. That's your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I mean, love has to work in here. Faith and love work together. Without love, faith ain't working. You can't say, Father, I hate them, kill them. Heal me, Lord, in Jesus' name. (laughs) It doesn't work that way, right? No, love, patient and kind, wants the best for others. Amen. Well, I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Those of you watching, Those of you who are listening today, maybe you have a physical situation in your life, and I just speak right now, just release words of healing. There's no time or distance in the Spirit, and I just declare you healed and whole. Psalms 107.20 said, The Lord sent His Word, and His Word healed us. So if you have physical sickness in your body, an ailment, would you just place your hand upon that part of your body, wherever it is that you need help or healing, and I'm just going to speak to it. Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they're life. In other words, they will travel. They will travel. And so all you need to do is just believe and take it. And when you take it, the way that you do that, the way you bring that to a conclusion is you have to say this. Okay, I got it. So in Jesus' name, I send forth the word of God of healing to you and to any part of your body. If it's malfunctioning, I command that malfunction to stop. I command everything to come into alignment into your body every ligament, every organ, every every tissue, every muscle. I speak to the cell life in your body. I speak to, to your ears, and I speak to your spine, and I speak to your back and to your ankles. I speak to arthritis and to the joints and to the swelling, and I command them to be healed in Jesus' name. I command new life to come into your bones and joints and marrow in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak to the intestines, and I speak to the gut, and I speak to from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I forbid any malfunction to touch your body in Jesus' name. You are not under the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ hath redeemed us and we are totally redeemed. We will not live another day, another moment in sickness or defeat in Jesus' name. I speak to the grief and I speak to the sorrow. And I command that spirit to go in Jesus' name. And that the oil of joy, the oil of joy, the oil of joy. Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. My joy I give unto you. So we're going to live in the fullness of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for letting us minister the word. Thank you for joining us on Facebook. River church, we love y'all. Uh, we bless you in Jesus' name. Look forward to seeing you again. Amen. That's the key.